very desire of our heart that in the midst of um, whatever trial or struggle each one of us may be going through, that we would surrender uh, everything to you, that in the midst of, of pain and anguish, in the midst of doubt and discouragement, that we would surrender our lives, we would surrender our hearts, that we would surrender everything to you, that we'd be obedient no matter the cost. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. If you have your Bibles, turn to James. James chapter 5. We're wrapping up this book. We've got one week left after this, um, and so I'm encouraged by that. I want to let you know about how excited I am. I, I, I do believe that James was here for a reason, that as we, as we traveled or kind of stepped into James, that God knew exactly what was going to be going on, uh, not only in our world, but in churches and in the lives of believers around the world. And so we want to encourage you with that. Today, we're going to be talking about the practice of patience. Now, for those of you who know anything about patience, patience is the very thing that everybody wants someone else to have, but we don't want to work on on our own, right? Right? I mean, like, it's like, man, I wish that guy had more patience. And then when somebody goes, hey, you need more patience, you're like, what are you talking about? I'm like the most patient person I know. At least that's my experience a lot of times. And what I find out when we start talking about patience is this, that if patience is your prayer and you say, Lord, make me a patient person, you might as well expect that in the next 15 minutes to an hour, you're going to have a situation or circumstance arise where you're given the opportunity to be patient, at which point I usually find myself in this situation becoming very impatient and realizing that it's not going the way I want it to go. And so as a result, um, I end up getting frustrated, which leads to more impatience and everything else. See, I believe this, that in the midst of suffering, in this book, in, the, in James, and what's going on, in the midst of suffering, in the midst of persecution, in the midst of the church being scattered, James begins to communicate to the believers and call the believers to be patient in their circumstances. Now, Keep in mind what's going on. The church has been scattered as a result of the persecution that was taking place in the book of Acts. And so while patience is a virtue that most people talk about, I want you to know this, that patience is also a spiritual gift. That means that as a result of the indwelling Holy Spirit, the power of the Holy Spirit living in me, that I can experience patience in every circumstance that I face, in every difficulty, in every trial, in every struggle, and in every temptation, I can experience patience, all right? But keep in mind, again, patience, while being desired by many, is practiced by few. I hope you get what I'm trying to say there. Patience, while being desired by many, is oftentimes practiced by few. In other words, we're willing to, in, if somebody else is in a circumstance or situation, say, man, I wish that person was a little more patient. But when it's in our world and in our context and in what we're doing, we go, well, I just wish God would hurry up. I wish he would just get to the point. I wish he would make things better. So I believe that today James is giving believers an alternative way to act when they have been mistreated, an alternative way to act when they have been persecuted or spread out, and an alternative way to act in the midst of trials and struggles. And so if you have James, James chapter 5, starting at verse 7, we're going to read through verse 12 and listen to what he says. He says, be patient, then Brothers, until the Lord's coming, see how the farmer waits for the land to yield its valuable crop and how patient he is for the autumn and the spring rains. 
You too be patient and stand firm because the Lord's coming is near. Don't grumble against each other, brothers, or you will be judged. The judge is standing at the door. Verse 10, he says, brothers, as an example, listen, be patient, or, or an example of patience in the face of suffering. Sorry, brothers, as an example of patience in the face of suffering, take the prophets who spoke in the name of the Lord. As you know, we consider blessed those who have persevered. You have heard of Job's perseverance, and you have seen what the Lord finally brought about. The Lord is full of compassion and mercy. Above all, my brothers, do not swear, not by heaven or by earth or, any, or by anything else. Let your yes be yes and your no, no, or you will be condemned. Listen, today, as we jump into this and we talk about this practice of patience in the midst of suffering, what we begin to understand is this, that God wants to do something in us while we are in the trials and the struggles and the temptations that we face on a daily basis, on a weekly basis. Maybe you're in a season of trial. I would say right now that most of the United States, as well as the world, is in some sort of season of trial and struggle because of what we're facing. Currently, we've got, obviously, the COVID thing that is worldwide, but I also want you to think about the United States and what's going on with the struggles with race inequality and all kinds of different things that are taking place right now. Patience is huge. A matter of fact, again, like I said, while patience is a virtue as well as a spiritual gift, most people think everybody else should work on their patience, but we're not willing to work on the patience in our own lives. So here's what I want you to remember. If you remember anything else, I want you to remember this today. That patience is doing my part and allowing God to do his part in the midst of trials. Do you hear what I said? Patience is doing my part and allowing God to do his part in the midst of trials. Remember James in James chapter one talks about how we're gonna face trials and the trials develop perseverance and all of these things that, that take place. And then James gives us these things that are gonna come up. He says, they're gonna be a time that you need to be quick to listen. In other words, be a doer of the word, not just a hearer of the word. Lots of people in the church are very good at hearing the word, but when it comes to putting it into action, sometimes that's where we miss it. And James says, listen, if you wanna be a person who's gonna get through trials and struggles and difficulties, you gotta be a person who puts the faith into action. You gotta listen to the word and do the word as well. Number two, he says, you need to be slow to speak. All right? So when I'm going through a trial, I need to learn to watch my tongue, that I don't speak out against other people, that I only listen to and speak out or, or speak up to what God is do doing in my life. So he says to be slow to speak, that I learn to respond and react in the right way. As a matter of fact, I would say it this way. In the midst of trials, oftentimes what happens is we're quick to speak. In other words, we blame God. Well, God, if you love me, you wouldn't allow this. Well, God, if you did this, you wouldn't be taking me through this path of struggle and difficulty. Listen, here's the truth of the matter. In the midst of our trials, God is developing fruit within you so that you, as you go through that trial, you are prepared for the next trial that you're gonna face in life. Last I checked, all of life is full of trials and struggles. Every bit of life. There is no one immune from it. There's no one that's gonna walk away and go, you know what, I've never had a difficult time or a difficult season. Everybody walks through these difficult times and difficult seasons. So listen, patience is doing my part and allowing God to do his part in the midst of trial. So here's the question of the day. How do I grow in patience? How do I grow in patience? Number one, I believe is this. 
in the midst of a trial that I cannot remain passive. Number one, don't be passive in the trial, all right? A lot of times what ends up happening is passivity kind of kicks in when we face a trial. In other words, I'm just gonna sit back. I'm gonna relax. I'm gonna, I'm gonna just let things kind of do what they do. Listen to what he says in verse seven. Be patient then, brothers, until the Lord's coming. This idea of being patient, it means to have a long fuse. In other words, there's an internal and there's an external control in different circumstances. I always think of the long fuse if you've watched any of the older movies or maybe if you kind of remember back to, to uh, Wiley Coyote and the Roadrunner where he would like take the, the barrels of dynamite and he'd pour that stuff, you know, create this long fuse and he'd light it and he would try and blow up the Roadrunner to get to him. When I think about a long fuse, when I start talking about patience, I have to have the longest fuse possible in order to grow in the best way that God wants me to work in every circumstance and every situation. Being patient means this. It's a person who holds his spirit in check under the power and the authority of the Holy Spirit. My spirit is held in check by the power and the authority of the Holy Spirit. In other words, it means that I have a spirit-controlled life. When James comes out and says this, he says, be patient. He says, you need to be led by the power and the authority of the Holy Spirit. So you need to make sure that your spirit is under his control. So be patient then, brothers, until the Lord's coming. See, here's coming. Impatience, in reality, is an idea that carries this. It's a life with a lack of hope in many of life's situations. When I am impatient, I am usually a person who has no hope in the difficulty of the situations that life is currently unleashing on me at this point in time. It may be testing that Satan is doing and, and doing on his part. It may be a trial that you're going through that God wants to use in order to develop more fruit in your life so you'll be more productive in, in what he's called you to do. But I want you to understand that patience is huge and impatience shows a lack of hope, a lack of trust in God. Proverbs 15, eight says this, hot tempers cause arguments. Say it ain't so. Last I've checked, every bit of news that I seem to watch, and I don't watch a lot now because I'm kind of just sick of it, shows hot tempers causing arguments. When I am quick to speak and slow to hear, then my attitudes and my words cause arguments. Listen, hot tempers cause arguments, but patience brings peace. Romans chapter 12, verse 12 says this, be joyful in hope. Patient in affliction and faithful in prayer. Do you get that idea, this patience in affliction? When I'm going through the trials and difficulties, I need to be patient in affliction. So how long should I be patient? It carries this idea, listen to what he says, until the Lord's coming. Now, that does not mean his second coming. That's not his, his, his last thing. It's not the eschatological coming that he's talking about. What he's talking about is until the Lord delivers you from that trial that you are in. So when the Lord delivers me in that trial, that's how long I'm supposed to be patient. But the truth of the matter is, most of the times, Christians, believers walk through this. Well, God, if you loved me, you wouldn't allow this. You know what? Sometimes the reason God allows it is because he loves you more than you think he loves you, more than you know he loves you. God's willing to allow you to go through the trial, the difficulty, and the struggle because he has something better in store for you, something greater. He wants to develop some sort of fruit that you're going to be able to grow in and grow from and as a result, be able to use to witness to other people. 
Listen to what he says. Be patient then, brothers, until the Lord's coming. Now listen, he gives us an example of what it means to not be passive in a trial. To not be passive. Listen to what he says. See how the farmer waits for the land to yield its valuable crop and how patient he is for the autumn and spring rains. So James jumps into his perfect example of what it means to be patient in the trial, what it means to not be passive. And listen to what he says. The farmer waits for the land to produce or to yield its crop. Listen, here's what we begin to have to understand, that the farmer doesn't have control of everything, does he? Last I checked, all the farmer can do is what? Plant seed. If the farmer plants the seed, then who provides the water? The Lord. So the farmer has to do his part The farmer has to be willing to till the soil. The farmer has to be willing to work the land. The farmer has to be willing to buy the seed and purchase the seed or harvest the seed off of last year's crop. He stores the seed, and then when it's time to plant, he sows. So he's not passive in what's going on. Here's what happens in most people's lives. When it comes to a trial, a struggle, or a situation, we just become passive. I've got to get through this trial before I can do anything else. And what James is trying to communicate is, listen, that's not godly. God wants you to grow. God wants you to develop that in the midst of a trial that you don't have control over everything. But listen, you do have control over what you plant. See, the farmer doesn't have control of everything. The farmer waits on the spring and the fall rains. And here's here's the beauty of this picture, these autumn and fall rains. Between both fall and spring, You have summer and you have winter. In other words, there's gonna be the heat in the midst of the trial that in the spring rains, when the spring rains come down and the farmer's able to till the land and plant the soil, that in the midst of that spring rain and the fall rain is the summer. That's the heat, that's the pressure. That's when all things grow. One of the things that that we've done this year that we've never done before is we planted uh, little pots and, uh, of garden stuff. We've got tomatoes, we've got jalapeno peppers, which I got a great story for you the other night. Ethan had some buddies over, chopped up some jalapenos into slices. Ethan took them down to one of his buddies. Like, hey, you want some? Oh, yeah, yeah. He pops four of them in, comes up, and later <laughs> gets a glass of milk and looks at Ethan and says, what kind of devil juice is in this stuff? That sucker was hot. <laughs> but I want you to think about this because here's what takes place. Between the spring and the fall rains is the summer. And as I've kind of messed with these things, those plants need the heat and they need the exposure to the sun in order to grow properly, in order to get the ripe harvest that we want out of the fruit that those plants develop, whether it's jalapenos or tomatoes or onions or whatever else you may be growing, they need the sun, they need the heat to develop those things. And what we understand is this, that in the midst of the trials, God's going to provide the spring rains and the autumn rains for you to grow. But I want you to also understand this, that you also grow in the midst of the heat from the trial that you are currently in. So I can't remain passive. See, if God supplies the rain and you haven't sown the seed, there is no harvest. If God supplies the rain for the crop and you don't sow the seed, there is no harvest and there is no blessing that God can pour out upon you because you have remained passive in the situation or circumstance you're in rather than becoming active. You cannot remain passive in the trial. Don't remain passive. If I want to grow in patience, I don't 
remain passive. Listen to what he says also. He says, see how the farmer waits for the land to yield its valuable crop and how patient he is for the autumn and spring rains. You too then, listen, this is huge because he says, be patient twice in two verses. You too then, be patient and listen to what he says. Stand firm. Why? Because the Lord's coming is near. In other words, the Lord's deliverance from the trial is near. So what do I do? I have to stand firm. And so since God promised sufficient rain for a bountiful harvest, then we must patiently wait for God to fulfill his obligation on this part. And standing firm, this whole idea is carried apart as this, to strengthen your heart. In other words, it's a firm adherence. It's standing on the truth of God's word. It's a firm adherence to the faith in the midst of every temptation, every trial, every storm, and every difficulty. Strengthen your heart. Stand firm on the truth of the foundation of the gospel that Jesus will deliver you. Stand firm on the understanding that the Holy Spirit is with you. He will never leave you nor forsake you. That in the trial, in the struggle, in the difficulty, all you have to do is stand firm. See, we work in the trial as God walks with us through the trial. So if you're going through a trial or a struggle, a tribulation that you're currently going, you're working through the trial as God is walking through the trial with you and working at the same time alongside of you. That's the whole idea of planting the seed and waiting for God to water it, to grow it, to nurture it. This whole idea of providing the rain so we can grow in our trial. So listen to me. How do I grow in patience? Don't be passive in the trial. Matter of fact, I would say this wholeheartedly. A passive Christian, an inactive Christian in the trial doesn't reap the harvest or the blessing that God wants to do in you so that he can do more blessing through you. Do you hear me on that? If I remain passive in the trial, then I don't reap the harvest of the blessing or the fruit in me so that God can do something in, as a blessing through me. If I wanna bless others, then I gotta allow God to bless me through the harvest or through the trial while I work for him. Number two, how do I grow in patience? How do I grow in patience? Number one, we said don't be passive. Number two is this, follow the examples of patience in scripture. Pretty easy, isn't it? <laughs> All throughout the Bible, I see it consistently over and over again where God's people were patient in, in certain circumstances and situations and impatient in others. Matter of fact, you could think most likely if you talk about it, when he brings up the prophets, if I was to say, when were the times that God's people were impatient? All of us can name those off. Getting out of slavery to Egypt and walking in the promised land. Why were they impatient? Oh, there's all kinds of examples. Show us, and matter of fact, throughout scripture, we'll see where God's people were impatient and we'll see where God's people were also, also patient. Listen, the patience of the prophets in the midst of the persecution was a great witness for believers and for those who don't believe. So listen to me when he says in verse nine, starting in verse 10, sorry. Brothers, as an example of patience in the face of suffering, take the prophets who spoke in the name of the Lord 
As you know, we consider blessed those who have persevered. You have heard of Job's perseverance and have seen what the Lord finally brought about. The Lord is full of compassion and mercy. I believe wholeheartedly when we look at this, if you go back and look at the prophets of the Old Testament, we will begin to understand what it means to have patience in the midst of persecution. If you think about Elijah in the midst of the persecution from Ahab and Jezebel, how he received great encouragement from the Lord, even though Elijah at one point was like, I'm done with this. It's over. God comes to him and encourages him. As a matter of fact, there's a point in time where Elijah was fed the last meal of the widow of Zarephath in order to provide. And what we see is that Elijah, as a result of his work and being obedient in planting the seed while God was getting ready to perform or, or give the water, that Elijah in the end reaps the blessing that God wanted to reveal in the first place. And as a result of Elijah's obedience, guess what happens? Other people reap the blessing. So we can look at Elijah. We can look at Joshua, or sorry, Joseph. You look consistently at Joseph. Joseph spent years going through trials as God was preparing him for something greater. And if you think about this, in the midst of the trial, if Joseph would have said, I'm done, it's over, I'm not gonna do it, I'm not gonna be faithful, I'm not gonna plant the seeds that you're calling me to sow, if Joseph would have given up, what would have been the result or the example that would have happened as, as, as a result of him giving up? Instead, Joseph walked faithfully, letting him, as he went through the storms, letting God walk by his side. And as a result, Joseph, not only did he experience the benefit and the blessing of God placing him over many people and in leadership in a foreign country, but also the people received the blessing because in the midst of the largest trial at the time, the food shortage, Joseph had wisely saved up and was able to bless the people. So there's, there's those, those pictures. You can think of Daniel. Daniel was tried by Nebuchadnezzar in an unfair way. He was tried by Nebuchadnezzar, and as a result, he was thrown into the lion's den, and God didn't deliver him from the lion's den, did he? No, God was in the lion's den with him. So in the midst of this whole idea of persecution, what we begin to understand, or in the midst of the trials that we face, what we begin to understand is that God may not deliver you from the trial or the struggle or the difficulty, but God will be with you in the trial, in the difficulty, in the struggle, in the temptation, and in the storm. That's the promise of the hope. So when we talk about how do I grow in patience, I follow the examples of patience in Scripture. Now, are there points in time in those individuals' lives where maybe there was some impatience? I'm sure there was. But they didn't allow the impatience to mislead them and go down the wrong road of chasing something they should have never chased in the first place. And then he jumps to Job. And if you've ever read the book of Job, and if you haven't read the book of Job, let me just say this, I think you need to read the book of Job. Because when we talk about Job, Job endured so much. He endured all that Satan could throw at him. I mean, if you were to read the book of Job and sit down, you would see that Job, a man who was above reproach, he was blameless and upright, but yet Satan attacked him. Satan was sure that he could convince Job to denounce God, to renounce God, to walk away from God, even though Job was blameless and upright. Job was a, a man of wealth. Job was a man of great influence, and as a result, loses all of that in the midst of a trial. He loses his family. He lost his income. He lost his health. 
Some of us may have lost our health because of COVID. Some of us may be doubting the health of our world because of COVID. Some of us may have lost jobs as a result of the downturn in the economy. There are all kinds of things that are taking place in the midst of the trials that we are currently going on. But at the same time, Job never lost the faith, even when, listen to me, even when his closest confidant, the person he could trust you would think the most, his own wife encouraged him to just curse God and die. The beauty of the truth of the prophets is this, that in the prophets' lives, we see examples of patience where they're waiting consistently for the Lord to deliver them, the Lord to deliver them from trials. You can look at Jeremiah. You can look at the prophet Jeremiah. As a matter of fact, I, I, even, I, I believe this wholeheartedly. Oftentimes, we look at the life or when we look, uh, we look to the life of the prophets for encouragement, but what I've heard from most people is this. I don't like to read the prophets. They're boring. I don't understand them. But I want you to understand this. I believe wholeheartedly most of us, the reason why we don't like to read the prophets is we don't like to read about the trials and struggles and the difficulties they face because what we want is an easy form of Christianity that doesn't take on trials, that doesn't bear the weight of the temptations and the struggles. We want this easy idea that God's gonna deliver us from everything rather than walk with us through everything. The prophets consistently, Old Testament prophets consistently are those things where you look at and you go, man, this is brutal. This is rough. These people don't listen. Patience is huge in the life of a believer. And one of the greatest ways that we can grow is and experience patience is to follow the example of patience in Scripture. See, God may, God may not take you from the trial, but I believe this, but by responding right in the trial, it makes a difference between being a miserable Christian and a Christian who's obedient to God. The reason why I believe so many Christians who walk around in life miserable is because you want God to deliver you from the trial when God is saying, I'm walking with you in the trial. You want the freedom of just being plucked out of the trial and put somewhere on maybe a, an island somewhere where everything is great and happy and hunky-dory, you know, this utopian idea that if I just believe in Jesus, I'm never gonna have problems again. Well, that's not anywhere in Scripture. A miserable Christian is a person who's gonna sit there and complain and whine and not be patient on the Lord's deliverance. And here's the beauty about the story of Job. As you read the book of Job at the end, what you see is that as a result of Job's obedience, as a result of Job's patience and waiting on the Lord's deliverance, that Job received a double portion of blessing. Does that make it easy what he went through? No. Does it make it promising and hopeful for you to go, man, I hope I lose everything like Job? No. But it does promise this, that in the midst of every trial, in the midst of every temptation and every struggle, that God will walk with you. God will walk it through, with you through it. God will be with you. He will never leave you. He's not gonna forsake you. And so as a result, in order to reap, listen to me, in order to reap the blessing the portion of fruit that God wants to bless you with even in the midst of the trial. I have to walk through the trial, working while I'm going through it, but allowing God to do his work as well.
Tony Evans says this, Pastor Tony Evans down in Texas says this, and I think this is something for us to understand, that the prophets not only waited for the Lord to work, but as they waited, they witnessed. And as you wait, as you wait, you need to be working in the midst of the trial. You need to be witnessing in the midst of the trial. Sow the seed, why? So that God can provide the rain that leads to the fruit to grow in the midst of the trial. Listen to this quote as well from Tony Evans. It says this, comfort, and I believe this wholeheartedly for most people today, even believers, is this. Comfort is more important than character. Convenience is more important than commitment, and cash is more important than Christ. When God wants it, that Christ is more important than cash, that commitment is more important than convenience, and that character is always more important than comfort. Believer, would you say that that's where your life lines up? That cash is not more important than Christ, but that Jesus is first and foremost in everything. That your commitment, your commitment to God and his word, your commitment to the gospel is more important than convenience. Because let's be honest with this, most of the people that I see in interactions that I know they're believers online, convenience is key. I would rather have convenience is kind of the call out from them rather than commitment. Listen to me, commitment is huge. And lastly, is character more important than comfort. While God does not give us often the reasons that he allows every trial and every struggle, we must not forget that God is sovereign, that God is in control, that he will not allow us to perish without his permission. That's the beauty of the truth of the gospel. Listen to what he says as as we kind of begin to wrap this up. Listen to what he says at the end of verse 11. It says that the Lord is full of compassion and mercy. I'm gonna read a couple verses to you just to give you some encouragement, I believe, at this point. But 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 9, this is the compassion that God is showing, that the Lord is not slow in keeping his promises. Some understand slowness. Rather, he is patient with us. He is patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. That's compassion. When people go, why isn't Jesus coming back? Why is he allowing all these things to go on? Why? Because in the midst of the trial that Christians face is when God develops the strongest and best fruit. And when God develops the strongest and best fruit, then we, as a result, the believers are the ones who will be the light to the world that will show the light of Jesus to the world. And as a result, because God is slow, he is compassionate, he doesn't want anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance in Jesus Christ. That's why we wait. Listen to this idea from mercy. First Peter chapter one, verse three, in his great mercy, God has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead and into an inheritance that can never perish, spoil, or fade. That's mercy. So when we talk about compassion, we talk about mercy, it's always wrapped up in the truth of the gospel that God is compassionate and God is merciful. Number three, how do I grow in patience? Number three, you have to learn to watch what you say in a trial. Watch what you say in a trial. Listen to what he says in verse 12. Above all, my brothers, do not swear, not by heaven or by earth or by anything else. Let your yes be yes and your no, no, or you will be condemned. Listen, anything you promise or say is dependent on God for you to produce. Anything you promise or say is dependent on God for you to produce. 
And listen, here's the truth about it. Last I checked, I have no power. You have no power. We have no power in heaven. So for you to make a statement that I swear by heaven is to literally say, I have no power, no authority. And I hope we've realized by now, especially with what's going on, that we have very little power on earth, if any at all, because we don't have control over sicknesses and disease. We don't have control over other people and how they respond or interact. So we don't have that kind of power. So he's literally saying, don't swear on anything else. Now, for those of you who go, well, wait a second, what about like swearing on the Bible? All right? This is not, what James is talking about, this is not against like these official oaths in court, but it's the result of or the use of oaths in everyday life to kind of prove integrity. Like maybe you'll say this, well, I swear to God I never. Let your yes be what? Yes and no be no. I swear on my mother's grave that I never... Now, that's an extreme example because that's not really what God's worried about. It's this idea of swearing upon God or heaven or anything else like that. Listen, you and I, we let our yes be yes and our no be no. Why? Because we should be people of integrity regardless. So when I face a trial and God is trying to work patience in me, then I have to learn to watch what I say when I'm facing the trial. Maybe it would be something like this in the past. God, if you will just do this, then I will, you got what I'm getting, right? God, if you remove this struggle and this temptation, then I will give you my firstborn to do missions overseas. Not that you have the call, because that's God's call upon the life of your own kids and stuff like that. But there have been people who have said that. Well, I made a, kind of made a deal with God that if he did this, then I would do such and such. This whole idea is this, that we are not people of integrity based upon the words we speak when we swear on heaven and earth, but we should be people of integrity because Jesus is in our heart and the words we speak should be words of truth that come out. We don't need extra words to prove integrity, but rather we show integrity in speaking the truth in love, as the gospel says. Here's what I want to wrap up with, and I want you to think about this, that the longer it takes to get through a trial, the greater the harvest. The longer it takes to get through the trial, the greater the harvest. If you pluck a fruit, if you pull a fruit or a vegetable too early, and it doesn't ripen off the vine, is that fruit any good? No. Not usually. There are very rare fruits and vegetables that if you pluck too early, they're actually usable. They have to ripen. And so as God works in your life in the midst of a trial, what we have to understand is that God wants us with that fruit to stay on that vine until it is ripe and ready to pick. If I wait too long going through the trial, the fruit or the vegetable rots. If I go too short, the fruit or the vegetable is no good for what it needs to do to produce a harvest, a beneficial growth in the life of a believer. And so you have to understand this, that God wants you to go through the trials. God is willing to allow you to go through the trials. Why? Because trials develop perseverance. And in the midst of perseverance, perseverance develops faith. And faith, when it was full-born, 
gives birth to life. And what we begin to understand, the longer it takes to get through the trial, the greater the harvest. He has just the right amount of time. Listen to me. God has just the right amount of time to produce the largest harvest of fruit in your life. And here's the crazy thing about it. When we go through a trial, when you and I go through a trial and you get through the trial and you've reaped the benefits, the blessings, the rewards of the bountiful harvest you got as a result of going through the trial and God developing this fruit, know this, that that was just preparing you for the next trial that God is going to allow you to go through in your life. Why? Because he's got more fruit that he wants to develop in your life. And if you didn't reap the harvest and the benefit and the blessing of the fruit in that first trial, it's going to be even more difficult to go through these second trials. Every time in your life that you go through a trial, God wants to develop fruit. He wants to develop the nutrients and the sustenance that you need so that when you face the next trial in life, that you're gonna be able to succeed and walk through it. Why? Because God walks through the trial with you. It doesn't mean he's gonna pluck you out of the trial. It just means that he is going to be with you in the trial. That's the promised hope. That's the promise that we can have. And I want to close with this statement. Patience is a fruit of the Spirit working in us to show the love of Jesus to others while we walk through suffering and trials. Patience is the fruit of the Spirit working in us to show the love of Jesus while we walk through the trials and sufferings and others get to see the fruit or the blessing that God reaps or reveals in you during that time. Listen, the promised hope is this. Jesus said that we, he would never leave us nor forsake us. Jesus said that we would face trials, that we would be persecuted just as he was persecuted. Jesus said that in the midst of that, I will never leave you or forsake you, that his spirit comes to us as a comforting guide. And that comforter is the one who gives us or leads us into the way everlasting. He's the one who leads us into peace and hope in the midst of every trial. And so maybe today it's just a time where you need to pray where you're at. Maybe you're at home and you're watching online and you need to sit down and you need to pray with your husband or wife or you need to grab somebody and pray for them. Maybe it's somebody here today who says, I need to pray for this peace. I need to pray for this patience because God is doing something right now that I really wish he would deliver me from. But listen to me, if he delivered you from it, you wouldn't reap the blessing of seeing him work in your life. And James is doing this to encourage the believers who have been scattered as a result of their faith in Jesus. Let us be people who long for patience, that God would reveal his truth in us, that he would bless us in the midst of the trials and that we would reap a harvest of blessing, a double portion of blessing in our life because of what God wants to do in that. Let's pray. Father, we pray that in the midst of the trials that we would have patience. And God, I know at times it can be fearful and I even think about praying about this, that when we begin to pray for patience, we know the very thing that's gonna come up is times and opportunities to show patience and to wait on you, to wait on your deliverance, to wait on your blessing so that we can reap a harvest or a double portion. And Lord, I pray that today. I pray that in the midst, maybe there are some without a job, that God, in the midst of this trial, that they would wait, knowing that you were walking them through it. 
And that God, at some point in time, we don't know the timing because you don't tell us, but at some point in time, you're gonna deliver him from that trial. And God, I pray just in the midst of that, that we would experience a double portion of blessing. So it may be a job, it may be a brokenness, it may be financial difficulties and struggles right now. It may be a lack of love and chaos in their life. Maybe there's some hatred and discontent, whatever it is. Maybe there's some medical conditions. God, we pray for your deliverance in those. And Father, today, if there's somebody who has never put their faith and trust in Jesus and said, I believe that Jesus died on the cross, that he rose again, that he offers me life and life more abundantly, that they can do it right now where they're at today. If they confess with their mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe that you raised him from the dead, they would be saved. It's in Jesus' name I pray, amen.